0: Welcome to the MENA CMO podcast, bringing you marketing stories from the Middle East and North Africa. I'm your host, Farah Sihil, a global marketing manager based in London with a long experience working in MENA's marketing and communications landscape. This podcast is dedicated to the region's marketing and communications professionals. I'll host the most dynamic CMOs Markham professionals and friends to paint a picture of what works in the world of marketing from a MENA perspective. Join me to learn and be inspired by the experts that are shaping the Markham industry in the MENA region. My guest is Akansha Quel, the founder and managing director of Socialize one of the first and the largest social media agencies in Dubai. With COVID-19 restrictions being lifted, today, Kensha is going to share with us how she's guiding brands in the MENA region to prepare for life after lockdown. Hi, AK, how are you? I'm good, Farah. I'm glad to finally be speaking with you. Same here, same here. This is a uh, special episode. Uh, I'm delighted to have you on board um, because today we are going to talk about how brands in MENA can actually prepare for life uh, after lockdown. Um, I can't believe we're finally uh, finally seeing sunlight at the end of the tunnel, Um, as you know, lockdowns and restrictions are slowly being uh, lifted in many countries around the world. Um, But actually, a lot has happened and a lot has changed in the last uh, three months. And the question is, um, how can brands leverage this and how can they build a long term vision to prepare for their uh, future success? Um so again, very delighted to be doing this episode with you. I'd love to hear all your insights and all the work that you're doing with your clients in order to prepare ahead. I'd like to start with uh, perhaps looking at consumers first. Uh, psychology researchers say that it takes roughly 60 days mm-hmm. for a new behavior uh, to become a habit and to become automatic. Mm-hmm. And we've been in lockdown for roughly 90 days now. So, uh, and we know we have been seeing um, content consumption patterns changing, buying uh, behaviors changing. What, uh, What has been the most striking for you, especially in the MENA region? So, you know, I think
1: what has been interesting, you know, about the lockdown and you talk about, you know, the consumer psychology and um, how long it takes for things to become uh, become habits. And I think that's really the key here for brands that they start to get out of lockdown and think about, you know, what is the best way in which they can engage consumers? What we're seeing is that many of the behaviors that, you know, emerged in lockdown are still with us you know, in other markets and we can expect the same uh, in the UAE or across the MENA region and whether out of necessity or choice, you know, people's activities from the way they shop, from what they shop, from, uh, you know, how they like to entertain themselves or how they like to work. You know, a lot of it has moved online and at the moment, you know, what we're seeing across the majority of the other markets that have come out of lockdown is that they remain there, the behavior. And the MENA region is an interesting region because over the last 10 years, the the growth of internet penetration across the MENA region has been faster than anywhere else in the world. So the global average of you know, internet penetration growth over a 10-year period sits at around 300%, whereas the MENA region is double that. And that's because we are such a young region, you know, mm-hmm. so we've got About 50% of the population here is under the age of 30. So we're a young region. We're digitally savvy. We're constantly connected. So the fact that we're going online more is no surprise, you know, for the MENA region because we were already quite a connected region. But it's been interesting to see you know, how some of those behaviours have received a bit of a boost with the lockdown. You know, there's a joke that uh, going around WhatsApp that COVID has done more, more for digital transformation than the Internet. And across this region, what we're seeing is not only a rise of digital, but we're seeing a rise of social and then within social, we're seeing a rise of certain platforms, you know, what people are using to entertain themselves. We're also seeing a rise of this thirst for information. And that's probably the first one that i want to talk about because i think it's quite interesting to see that you know with people more and more people searching for why searching about the virus right so in the uae for example we saw a big peak for the number of people searching for the virus in feb and march it is now starting to come down a little bit so it's a bit of a you know mountain curve and looking at what people are searching for really gives you a sense of having a finger on the pulse of the nation. You know, what are people interested in and you see that people are searching for information and they're, they're flocking to the traditional media spaces and the traditional media platforms to gain this information. So Gulf news, for example, which is the prominent, um, you know, UAE national newspaper brand has doubled its traffic over March and April, double. That is something that has never happened for the brand. And we've gone from around the monthly traffic or the daily traffic has gone from around 16 million to 44 million, overnight, overnight. And that's, you know, that's been interesting to see because you also look at, you know, what are some of the authors and influencers that are leading the conversation around COVID in different markets, whether it's Saudi or Egypt or UAE and Saudi, for example, the most influential authors right now when we do listening exercises are Saudi news 50, you know, we've got uh, Saudi MOH. So all of the official news channels have really come into, uh, you know, come into the spotlight. Similarly for Egypt, you know, you've got screen mix, which is a celebrity and, you know, lifestyle news outlet, which is one of the most authoritative content sources you yeah. know when you do listening exercises so I think that's one of the trends that we've seen it it, it isn't dissimilar to what we've seen in other markets uh, but that's in the region where you've seen a decline of those traditional media sources as a content source it's interesting to see them revitalized you know as a result of COVID and I wonder how that will change brands or advertisers behaviors in where they invest and we don't know you know, the answer to that is we're not recommending our brands to invest in, um, you know, now Gulf News or, for example, College Times as new platforms advertising. But that leaves a question for, you know, for a question for us as agencies, question for advertisers, that as we see consumer behavior changing, some of it almost is uh, different from what we've been used to. Will we put our money where our mouth is? You know, the data is there. It tells us there's a certain trend will we invest in where people are investing their time so that's one of the trends that we're seeing Um, one of the other things that we're seeing obviously is a rise of digital right and when i mean a rise of digital it's a rise of technology as a way to manage life technology not just as a source of entertainment technology not just as a source of connecting with people but technology as a way to manage isolation and use it to connect to learn play and this is something we'll see people continue to do Uh, do so, you know, we have people who are suddenly becoming reliant on services that allow us to work and learn from home, like Zoom and Microsoft Teams, Uh, like Zoom and Microsoft have been, you know, the most downloaded apps in the UAE for weeks straight. March, oh, what is actually, actually, yeah. <laughs> you know, every single week they were on the top and you start to see that, you know, spread or you start to see that across other areas of life where you're now starting to do everything on apps from online shopping, which we know, but to finding a doctor. So for example, you know, what we saw, in, we saw in China was, you know, healthcare platforms like Ping a good doctor, which is telemedicine, you know, was growing 900% from December to Jan. And then similarly, you have MENA brands, like really the, you know, the leading brands within the category who jumped onto this trend, who understand how consumers are changing their behavior and who are now creating products and solutions to cater to this new behavior. So an example here is MediClinic which is, you know, the largest network of private hospitals, you know, across the region. And MediClinic has launched a telemedicine, you know, platform during COVID, which allows people to still meet doctors, but via the internet. And there's, you know, been a lot of PR around it. And I think it's a fantastic move by a brilliant brand who's taken that move to change their business model a little bit to cater to consumers.
0: you look at your clients, what were the the your advice because i would imagine that uh, for uh, campaigns they take a long time in preparation and maybe by the time you wanted to launch the campaign in april started working mm-hmm. on it already and maybe in jan pandemic happened so how did you advise uh, your brand on changing the strategy changing the messaging how did that process go how did the clients uh, respond <laughs> wow
1: that's also you know that's also a great question and um... Um, you know, before I give you, you know, before I give you the answer and tell you about a client of ours that, um, you know, we did a very interesting campaign for, which did so well, which is received very well because it was so true to, you know, this new world that we live in. I'll talk a little bit about the fact that, you know, the way we see across countries, you have, for example, New Zealand that is now coronavirus free. Mm -hmm. How much of that can be attributed to its leadership? and the decisions that the leadership took you know you know she was she was quick she was firm she took the decisions when you know they needed to be taken and they're now in you know out of lockdown all free we saw similar things with our brands where Different brands in the same category are going to come out of this lockdown very differently. And a lot of it, I think, credit needs to go to the leaders who are running these brands. And one such brand is Switz, Saudi Master Baker. So there are a large FMCG brands, you know, based out of Saudi. Um, one of their, you know, brands is called, Saudi Master Baker's brand is called Switz, which is the Sambusa. Mm-hmm. You know, there sambusa wraps and the spring roll, uh, sambusa patty, spring roll, uh, puff pastry, uh, you know, uh, sheets and such. And Ramadan is a big time of the year for them, right? So Ramadan is when majority of their sales happen. Ramadan is the biggest campaign of the year that we, you know, do for them. Their CEO you know, came to us in the beginning of March. And mind you, beginning of March is a time when we were still trying to, We were still trying to ask the question of what is actually going on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he gave me a call and he said, you know, Kamsha, hi, how are you, should we chat? And I said to him, oh yes, Adil, I know you wanted to have a conversation around the gaming insights in the region, also very forward thinking, wanted to know about gaming. He said, uh, no, no, I don't want to talk about gaming. I said, oh, okay, so what would you like to talk about? And he said, I'd like to talk about, Akanksha, what's going on around us, COVID. And I said, oh, right. Yes, let's meet and talk. And I remember that was the last person I met before I went into (laughs) lockdown because we had to go into lockdown. It was even before (laughs) we went into lockdown. And I was afraid that this was a brand leader who was going to come talk to us about how his budgets had been cut because that was happening all around, you know, all around us. But he came in and he, he... Start off the conversation by saying, firstly, this is not about budgets, because, you know, if anything, we're not cutting budgets in digital, we're going to invest more in digital because people are spending time online. I'm here to have a chat with you to get some perspective, because perspective is in short supply. So I'd like to know what you're seeing, what you're hearing about what's happening around us, because I'm quite depressed because of what's happening around us. And I said, what do you think is happening around us? And he said, this is going to be the most monumental thing that we have seen in our generation. He's like, this is going to change us. This is going to change people. And he said, this is going to touch each one of us in a way that we haven't realized. And it's going to be the biggest crisis of our time. And I looked at him naively, Farah, and I said, "Uh, well, what about the financial crisis of 2008? (laughs) Because I was like, how can it be that big? But then he knew. And, you know, there are some visionaries, right, amongst us. And he's one of them. Because a crisis doesn't make character. It only reveals character. And, you know, I have seen that with the brands and with the marketeers who lead these brands. And because he had this visionary sort of, you know, the world is changing and it's not going to be over anytime soon, it allowed us to then, for me to go back to my team and say, You know, we need to consider the fact that by the time Ramadan comes, we might still be in lockdown. And what does Ramadan look like for this region when we're in lockdown? Even the team struggled with that idea and they said, But we're already developing the Ramadan campaign. What should we do? I said, Well, you develop a plan B as well. Because what happens if we're still in lockdown? And I'm so glad that we did because, you know, good campaigns take time to develop. Nothing happens overnight as much as, you know, the media may show that it does. It takes planning and approvals and all of that. So we started thinking about what does, you know, Ramadan during lockdown look like and the importance of food. Because at a time when people cannot touch each other, at a time when you tell your kids, don't hug your friends, don't hug your grandma, we're not going to go over to someone's house. Food is the one thing that connects you and not only that you know the client had said this you know he said moms right have such a hard job because now she's being asked to be a full time wife a full time mom and a full-time teacher being a mom was hard enough. Imagine now they need to be yeah. teachers too. And Switz has always been a brand that is an ally for moms. And we wanted our campaign to really celebrate these everyday heroes, the moms, but do it in a way that really reflected what Ramadan would look like for millions around the region this year. I never thought, Farah, that one day we would be shooting our biggest campaign of the year on Zoom. Yeah. Who would have thought and we did that we got a few you know we got a few customers together you know we did we shot a zoom conversation between a daughter and her parents you know they were not living together and her mom sort of taking her through a recipe of how to create samosa to create that connection and you know it's a celebration of mom and it's a celebration of you know what makes ramadan ramadan is the family connections is the food is the old age recipes and you know a celebration and an ode to mothers and i we were amazed at how How well that video was received that phone you know we had people commenting and saying you know this brought tears to my eyes we had others who said I organized a zoom call with my parents right away after seeing this video because just because we're social distancing it doesn't mean that we don't connect and that was our Ramadan campaign and it was featured uh, you know across a few media publications as well
0: I, I loved it. I, it's uh, definitely one of the uh, one of my favorite Ramadan campaigns ever, and definitely one of my favorite for this year. I think it was so true to the moment that we were all living in, and uh, like you said, despite you can't really connect physically with the people you love, the the um, the campaign was done in such a way that it, uh, I also when I watched it for the first time, it made me feel so emotional, and I thought, wow, this really brings back all these you know beautiful ramadan memories and feelings when you have iftar with all your loved ones so well done and this was also one of the reasons that i reached out to you that I, and i wanted to do uh, an episode with you so but then how i'm um, just to, um, to go back to this uh, campaign how did the kind of brainstorm session go like what was was it an easy well not an easy one but is it because we were doing more Zoom meetings on Zoom and you were like, why not do it? Is that how it went? Or did it take more time into brainstorming and thinking about how to adjust and how to come up with plan B? Wow. It's a,
1: it's a good question. And I don't know if I can do justice to really explaining it because, you know, it takes, it takes a village to bring something like this together, right? It's never really one person. It's the, uh, it's the seed of an idea that the client left us with. And we had a few calls. It really started off with like every good campaign. It starts off with ultimately what is the objective and what is the consumer insight, right? And the consumer insight or, you know, the objective was that we want to celebrate the role of, the everyday heroes and the moms. But the insight was here on what reality will look like during Ramadan. So we try to project that reality, right? Like a lot of the people on the creative team, us, you know, celebrate Ramadan. For some time, they couldn't, they were like, Are you actually saying, AK, that during Ramadan, the lockdown will continue? I was like, That's exactly what I'm saying. They're like, So what do we do? How will we meet our family? I said, You won't. So what will you do then? And then it was like a natural conversation, right? Well, I guess I'll organize a Zoom call with them. And then what would you do on the Zoom call? And, you know, so it it was like sort of a, Natural, you know, putting ourselves in the shoes of the consumer because we are the consumers. That's how authentic yeah. campaigns are born. So when we started thinking about that, and you know, I wish I had our creative director here on the call, you know, Amar Yunus, who's, you know, he's brilliant, right? And next I next wish time. he was here. <laughs> yeah, oh, he has stories, uh, you know, so I wish he was here to talk about it. But that's how it sort of went from, you know, keeping it, it's not about platform, it's about people, looking at that people's behavior, and then trying to see the role that the brand would play within that behavior so trying to keep it quite authentic and natural to that you know brand is not force-fed and you know he talked to his mom we talked to you know people around us uh, and that's what you know sort of gave us the idea and then it was a case of calling up you know some consumers who are active on the community to people that we know and just saying let's record this together here's a little bit of a script but keep it natural Talk yeah. to each other as if, you know, you yeah. are a family. So everyone is role-playing what they thought life for the new normal, you know, the new normal with us not being the new normal would look like. Um, and that's how it was created. And, uh, the you know, and it's good campaigns, right, are 50% brand, 50% agency. So it's one thing for the agency to shoot this on Zoom and to edit it. It's another for the brand to actually approve it. You know, it takes courage to... Yeah something like this when you're used to doing a beautiful production which has all of your Swiss colors and it looks orange and it's an elevated creative and it looks like it's worth a million bucks and then you do this on zoom you're like grassroots my brand but you realize that what is your brand if not for how people see it and the role that it plays in their lives so you know that is how we got to it and they approved it though the CEO did look at it and say uh, I wish it had more of my brand colors. I wish it had more <laughs> of my branding in it. So, uh, you know, next time.
0: We're <laughs> like, next time. <laughs> next Ramadan. Speaking uh, of leadership and courage, uh, there is a research that showed that in, uh, in the 80s, uh, during the recession, the companies that continued marketing spending during the uh, economic downturn, they actually came out 256% ahead of their competitors. And what we are also seeing, uh, for instance, uh, McDonald's just today announced that they're actually bringing back the role of the CMO. It's a role that they scrapped last year. And now they, uh, they see the value of marketing and how marketing can help brands really prepare them for uh, this uh, new normal that we're going to be living in after uh, lockdown. So how do you see brands in the region um, dealing with their marketing budgets? We know there have been marketing uh, budget cuts, a lot of it. uh, For some, marketing was uh, a no-go area altogether. How is that trend uh, maybe changing now?
1: Wow, again, a good question. You know, what What we've seen is, you know, I, I could break it down into sort of two, two worlds. On mm. one hand, you know, we've seen brands come out and say, right, you know, we're going to continue investing, you know, and in a period when we don't have sales, we're going to continue investing in building our brand because when we come out of this, you know, we, people are going to want to buy. And at that point, we want them to remember us because we don't just market to sell. We market to build a brand. We market to, you know, build a, a- build interest, to build connection, to build love, to, you know, gain insights. And I'll talk about that a little bit later, but it's it's more than just, you know, it's more than just, for example, if you look at social, right, not so long ago, brands tended to use social just from an executional standpoint, right? So let's put out some content, perhaps let's do some selling, but now brands are designing social almost as a way of interacting into their products and services. So it's beyond content, it goes into community. We're seeing that they're learning to behave more socially, we're seeing that they're you know talking less about themselves and considering their communities you know and one such example of a brand is Volkswagen who we work with where again very early on you know in march uh, the MD of Volkswagen, you know, gave me a call and said, you know, Akansha, with everything that's happening around us, I'd like you to, I'd like you to know, please, you know, be rest assured that we will not be cutting any of our budgets. We will honor our commitment with all of our agencies. So you have nothing to worry about. And at that point, I said, well, Victor, you know, I understand that so much is changing around us. We both have P&Ls to run. We both have businesses to run. So please know as partners, we will support you, you know, with whatever happens because that's the role of the agency. You know, we support the brand. The brand supports us. And sure enough, recently, they needed to reduce their budget slightly, right? And the point there is that you may have a brand with a marketing team that believes in investing in social, that believes in investing in digital, that believes in investing in marketing and doesn't want to cut budgets. But brands are part of businesses. Businesses have p they have procurement teams, they have finance teams. And then pressure comes down to marketing teams when your business is down 30%. And this is an example of another brand that we work with, you know, Sony. We know their business is down 30% because you read it in the global news. They're public traded companies. They have a responsibility to their shareholders. So when business is down 30%, you have to make cuts somewhere, right? So then you have brands who come in and talk to the agency and say, is there any way we can reduce our budget by 10% or by 15% or by 5%? And this is where we try and work together to see how can we continue to deliver the same value to them with this, you know, small cut and budget, but they did not. So all of these brands that I mentioned, they did not pause work. They did not cut their budgets drastically. They tried to look for some efficiencies and fees, which is something that happened during the last financial crisis as well. And then we saw them, you know, invest in areas that matter. So for example, for Volkswagen, you know, where they invested was in great content because great content is, you know, equally crucial. And it takes a lot of effort to put out great content because it's not just that one Facebook post, you know, it's an investment into understanding, um, you know, how your brand should be perceived by people. And a year ago we began a journey with Volkswagen to tell stories of, you know, remarkable people with exceptional stories of success. And this was called, you know, the Volkswagen people stories, which are beautiful stories about people in the UAE. But shortly after we went live with that campaign, um, The pandemic happened. So Mm. the question was then, you know, we knew more than ever that we needed to use our voices and our stories to bring positivity and hope into the world. Again, this was something that the MD and the marketing director of Volkswagen, you know, strongly felt, Mm. uh, you know, that we can't do this without them. And breaking through all of the negative media that was flooding the news feeds, this was in March. Negativity, negativity, negativity. So the brand asked the question of how can we be a beacon of hope? You know, how do we survive this without hope? How can we be a beacon of positivity? And what we did is, you know, and this pretty much happened overnight. We decided to change Volkswagen people's stories into stories of hope. So the campaign changed completely, where we shifted our focus towards new opportunities. And you know, like, for example, being able to spend more time with our families and ourselves. So getting people to share stories, not of success, not of grit and the drive you know that got them where they are but the little things that they're thankful for gratitude and hope right we wanted to encourage people to think positively and embrace the situation and the good that's come out of it the fact that we're at home we can now spend more time with our kids the fact that we're home we're able to take better you know care of ourselves and it's a silver lining of hope so again it's an example of a, and that campaign also did really well where for the first time we, then this is, you know, for an agency, it's you know, a matter of pride, when one of the you know, biggest publications gets in touch with you and says, we love what we're seeing with stories of hope. It brought a smile to our face. Can you please put us in touch with the team that was behind this so we can write a story? Wow. wow, you know when you don't yeah. reach out to campaign and campaign gets in touch with you, that's, that's great. yeah <laughs> right away yeah, <laughs> it's great. You'd like to talk about uh, people's stories, stories of hope. great. And then it was covered, you know again widely, and it talks about a leadership because it was a leadership that said, right, you know this is our role as a brand in this pandemic. How can we be a beacon hope? Two, they approved us overnight, changing their campaign from people's stories to stories of hope. Three, obviously it takes a passionate team because so much of what we do is labor of of love for our brand. So the team was invested in recreating these stories and we couldn't shoot these stories. So we had to reach out to the public and get them to shoot stories and send it to us, right? So it was was a lot of work. Uh, And then at the same time, the brand didn't pull the investment. They just shifted the investment that they had planned for people stories and said, we will now put this media investment into these stories of hope. Even though it does not mention the brand at all, no one is driving in and out of a Volkswagen. There is no mention of Volkswagen, but it was the job to be done by the brand for their consumers. Because someday we will come out of this and someday people will remember that it was Volkswagen that was, the you know, best. the brand. So that's, that's an example of how I think some brands have really stepped up during this uh,
0: time across the region. What is the, um, the role of traditional media then in the region? TV specifically, and we know TV uh, uh, viewership is still high uh, in the region compared to maybe other parts of the world. How do you see that changing? How do you see TV actually coping or um, adapting to what has happened in the last three months? You know, I, I try not to look at,
1: you know, look at uh, media as a TV versus social, as an mm-hmm. outdoor versus digital, as a print versus TikTok, right? Because what is a media? Media is media, right? A media is only as valuable as the amount of time that people are spending on it, on, as, on the amount of eyeballs that it has. So mm-hmm. for example, you know, when you have an entire generation or entire region that is scrolling through their news feeds, you know, all day, that is where brands need to be seen. So they need to be seen where their consumers are. So I think, you know, I've been asked the question, you know, in the past on, do you think you know outdoor will die? Do you think TV will die, or do you think now, as a result of COVID, this will die? And I think it's so tempting to put out these big statements yeah. and say this is the end of TV. It did die will-
0: for a couple of yeah. weeks, maybe Yeah.
1: <laughs> at the peak yeah. of it. Yeah. yeah, it's very tempting to say that, but you know, we'd be su- you'd be surprised at just how long it takes for things to actually change. Like we've all been on those amazing holidays where we have decided that we're going to start eating healthy. We're going to become vegan we started doing yoga only to come back home and within three days of being back in the office, you know, we're back to like the chocolates are coming out and such. So things take time to change. And I definitely think that, you know, COVID has been a catalyst for some of uh, people's changing behaviors, you know, where some media platforms now have people spending lesser time on them or some media people are spending lesser time with them. And therefore brands are investing lesser in those mediums. Mm -hmm. But TV, I think, yes, we still have, you know, Consumers watching TV, right? There are eyeballs on TV. And then you have brands who are investing. But then you start to get into the nuance of what consu- what type of consumer is actually watching TV? Is the is the 30-year-old, you know, or the 35-year-old young mom, is she watching TV or is she watching Netflix or is she scrolling through her mobile phone? So who is watching it? And brand- all of them at the same time. Sometimes <laughs> yeah. oh, so multi-screening, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. You know, screening in MENA region is higher than anywhere else in the mm. world. So, so then you look at, okay, perhaps there is a segment of the audience that is spending time on TV, and what are the brands that are trying to speak to that audience? So if you're trying to speak to, for example, an uh, older demographic or a demographic in rural Saudi, you know, that isn't yeah multi-screening or just online, then it makes sense for those brands to be investing in TV. However, if you're a brand that is speaking to the millennials, you know, the Gen Z, then you speak on different platforms. You know, if you're speaking to millennials, you're probably investing on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. If you're speaking to a younger audience, if you're speaking to perhaps, you know, Asians, you know, this is now trying to get into consumer segmentation, Mm -hmm. you're maybe starting to invest in TikTok, which has come out of nowhere. Right. Yeah. And which is nowhere, and, you know, it, it's taken over. And so brands need to try and keep up. And that's because social is, and, you know, coming back to social, social is not just another media platform where you can put out content and your brand can be seen. It is also, culture culture is created on social right it's where it happens it's also a great place to get audience insights so for example you know from a purely practical standpoint we know that the appetite you know for social has grown soared during covid like we're seeing in april and this is you know recent data that we've seen in our digital report which was done by beer social globally that more than half of the internet users between 25 to 34 have spent more time shopping online. So they're not just browsing the newsfeed, they're shopping online. And it would be remiss for brands not to be where their consumers are spending time. But then when you start to see, right, okay, we know that people are spending time on social, but what if they're not shopping and if they're watching content, what kind of content are they watching? And then you start to see these cultural themes emerge. So for example, we see Saudi, in Saudi, the type of content that is performing the best, the one that people are clicking on and engaging. In Saudi, you see Saudi sharing translated, real life stories from Italian doctors, where the public highly relate to emotional videos. That's the kind of content that's doing well. It tells you a little bit about the culture in that country. In the UAE, however, we see content that is focused on how businesses have reacted to the virus very different. That's the mm. content that's doing well. In Kuwait and Iraq, for example, we're seeing content which has religious prayers to help stopping the virus. Very different. And then Egypt, for example, you're seeing content that is focusing on a high number of cases in fellow countries, such as KSA, and the fact that there were initially no cases being reported in Egypt as the content that is performing the best. So it starts to tell you a little bit about you know these cultural insights. And I think that's something that perhaps TV can't provide as well as social can, which is rich insights about consumers. And that, those insights play a big role in marketing strategies and must play a big role in brands' marketing strategies as they come out into this new normal. Because one thing is for sure, our behaviors have changed, but do you know how? do you know what we're doing differently and the new role for the brand in that and something that we're doing for, you know, something that we're doing for some of our brands is we've set up uh, we've set up COVID trackers. So we're monitoring conversations that are happening around the category. So for example, for sweets, we're doing a COVID ca- uh, tracker on the new at home baking category. Mm-hmm. So, How are people talking about baking? What are they baking? Where are they looking for information? You know, what are the families' changing needs? Understand that first, because if you understand the consumer, the marketing comes easy. You know, the branding comes easy and it's easier to hit the nail on the head. And that's something that we're working on quite a few brands with these COVID trackers and insights. And uh, I think that's something that TV can't provide, like having a finger on the pulse of really what people are watching on social, you know, what she's searching for? Is she searching for what type of recipe she's searching for? You know what website she's visiting? You know what time of the day she's searching for it? You know whether she's searching for family recipes or individual recipes? Are they for celebration baking or are they for, you know, everyday baking? All of this, right, plays a plays a part. And you've seen some brands do interesting things with this. Like um, there's a uh, there's a brand there's a restaurant called um, there's a restaurant called 1762 in the UAE. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things that they did is they started offering pizza making kits on delivery. Oh, that's so so cool. You could order a pizza making, you know, kit, and I thought that was so interesting. So obviously they can see that change in behavior. Obviously people not eating out, they're making more at home, but mm-hmm. offering it as a kit. So it becomes a bit of a family, you know, activity is how you connect that consumer insight to not only the way your brand speaks, but to the products you uh, create.
0: Absolutely. And it, it's it's like you said, it's uh, being where your audience is. Uh, but then in this uh, very diversified scene or media landscape, so you have the younger generation that could be on Instagram and TikTok and Snapchat and maybe the older generation still uh, watch more TV, but are also on maybe Facebook and Twitter. So um, we know omni-channel marketing is... Uh, um, is is a big buzzword, and uh, a lot of uh, brands have adopted this approach that um, your campaign is adapted to the different platforms. How do you see that happening in the region? You know, I would say here
1: that you're right in saying that omni-channel is a buzzword. You know, it's a buzzword that I, I wonder if people, you know, forget what it means. Because quite simply, you know, having an omni-channel strategy is about being where your consumers are and doing it in, you know, doing it in a consistent way. So if your brand is, you know, your brand message is catered to different platforms and it is consistent across the board and it considers the consumer journey, right? So coming back to an example from Swiss, right? So it comes down to consumer behavior. On a YouTube, for example, you've got that Zoom video, you know, you've got the link to the film that was published for Ramadan. But then if you look at you know, what people are doing on Instagram, for example, and keeping the consistency of the message that we're here to celebrate the role of the everyday homemaker, you know, and we're here to add value to her life. If you then keep that consistent message and look at what people are doing on Instagram, people are watching live videos. Mm-hmm. Women are cooking at home. And what we did was we started doing live cooking sessions. So on Instagram, we did live cooking spe- sessions where we invited influencers across the Middle East to teach our audience how to make their favorite Ramadan dishes. And we couldn't, we didn't really do that on YouTube because that's not how people were interacting no. on the platform. That's how they were interacting on Stories, Instagram Stories. So then that's an omni-channel strategy. It's quite as simple as that. Is that be where your consumers are, but cater your message or your campaign or you know the value that you add. Uh, in a different way. So the value that we were adding on Instagram through these live cooking sessions, the value was evident when in an hour, in an hour of us going live with the first cooking session, we had 300 new followers. And 300 new followers may seem like a small number, but this is at a time when budgets are stretched and we didn't invest anything no. in media. This was all organic. This was just the community,
0: just going live. Swiss is live at the live cooking show okay so you did some kind of a takeover so the influencer would be taking over the channel or is yeah. it switz hosting the influencer and they are cooking or doing so live so sessions it
1: hosted it so on the Swiss okay.
0: Instagram channel you know we went live and you know
1: we went there was an influencer who was given access to it who was then yeah. just talking freely and you know showing you how you could make these ramadan dishes and obviously the women who logged on and this was all organic, right? I mean, it was just women getting a notification and logging on. They must have been sharing it with their friends and family. How else do you explain? Suddenly, you know, 300 new followers coming and joining and they saw value in it. It was at the right time. It was, you know, helping her do something. So that I think is, if we don't over intellectualize, you know, omni-channel strategy, it's staying true to my consumer. Where is my consumer? Mm-hmm. Where do I want to interact with them? And how can I be true to the way in which I add value to them on that channel based on how they interact and use that channel? Because on TikTok, for example, we created a little song, you know, a little song that shows you in three steps or five steps how to fold a samosa so you could have some fun with it and you could create your own dance. And that's because that's how people use TikTok.
0: Yeah. It's omni-channel. It is, it is definitely. And then, having discussed all these different channels and the uh, changing consumer behaviours, what is your advice to brands now that we are coming
1: uh, out of lockdown? Now more than ever, and that is, you know, a sentence that has been used a lot, but it is so true, that now more than ever, brands need to truly understand their consumers. You know, brands need to understand how their consumers are feeling and thinking, how they're behaving, whether it is their behavior in terms of the platforms they use or their behaviors in terms of the content that resonates with them or their behaviors in terms of how they connect with other people. Or, for example, their behaviors in terms of the type of purchases, their value or their values like the rise of, you know, conscious consumption. It's important now more than ever for brands to understand their consumers so that their marketing and their message can really resonate with their consumers and add value to the consumer's life because that's what marketing is meant to do. When you add value and you can resonate with the consumer, you can hope to sell because that will happen. Consumers will come back and they'll buy, but they will buy from a brand that they believe, understands them and a brand that, you know, is true to the brand's purpose, but a brand that can actually connect with the consumer's values as well. So I think nothing has really changed for brands, COVID or no COVID. This is how marketing should be done, you know, to really understand the consumer and to create a meaningful connection between the consumer and yourself. But now it's important to realize that perhaps some of the old things that, you know, we knew about our consumers need to be relooked insights are very important and that will create better
0: marketing and that will make for better business beautiful i love that and it's definitely exciting times for uh, brands, for uh, agencies, for the marketing industry uh, as a whole. Yeah, with that, I'd love to uh, thank you for your time, AK. This has been a very uh, enjoyable uh, episode. I can't wait to edit and uh, publish it uh, next week. So um, once again, thanks for your time. Thanks for sharing all these uh, insights. Farah, thank you for having me and like you know anyone uh, anyone anyone who's good at
1: social would say I cannot wait to share what you post so once you post it we will share it and we will retweet it and you know I can't wait for uh, others to hear it I love what you've been doing with your podcast. I've listened to your last few podcasts and they're they're insightful and I think the region needs more of them so congratulations on your on your show
0: Thank you Thank you AK and it's a pleasure to have you on board Thanks a lot. And thanks to everyone who tuned in to listen to this episode today. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, which is available on all your favorite podcast platforms, Deezer and Rami, Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, and so on, where you can also rate and leave a review about the podcast. And if you'd like to contact me directly, I can be reached at mina.cmo.podcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Stay safe and keep healthy. And see you on the next episode of the Mina CMO Podcast. Bye.